Welcome to Body Signals, the Cygnos podcast. I'm your host, Bill Tanser, Chief Data Scientist at Cygnos. This is Season 2, Episode 1, Top 4 Tips on Using Cygnos to Lose Weight, a conversation with nutritionist and our very own Director of Customer Experience, Jody Geigel. In this episode, we'll discuss the best ways to use Cygnos glucose data to make food selections, how stress can impact weight loss, the importance of getting enough fiber, and how slow and steady habits win the weight loss race. Now on to today's show. All right, welcome to Body Signals. We are thrilled to have Jody Geigel back on our podcast. Jody's the Director of Customer Experience. She's also our staff nutritionist. Jody, welcome. Thank you, Bill. It is always a pleasure to chat with you. You have one of the most soothing and engaging voices I have ever come across. Well, thank you. And likewise, not only do you have an engaging voice, you also have some very engaging thoughts. And I know that being the director of customer experience, you uh, inter- interact with our, our members a lot. And I thought it'd be great if we talked about some of the top insights that you've gleaned about how to lose weight using a CGM. So we've created an episode of the top four tips from Jody on weight loss. So with that, Jody, I'm going to let you just kind of take it away with tip number one. Yes, absolutely. So I think one thing that is a resounding theme with a lot of our members is really understanding how to tap into the personalized glucose data and the readings that they're getting. And so um, just tip number one overall is foundationally really pay attention to the direct impact of the foods you're consuming. So there are a variety of factors that, of course, can impact what your body does with food once you eat it. And that can be related to age or hormones or stress or sleep or exercise. And certainly all those things impact how your body absorbs and processes food. So a number of people might comment like, oh, I ate this and I gained two pounds, but my friend eats this and she loses two pounds. And this seems like a healthy food. And why is that? And this is where the CGM is really a great tool to be able to tap into your bioindividuality and understand that because of your unique factors, how your body responds to the foods you're selecting, even if on the surface they seem like healthy options, might actually spike you, right? Yeah, that is such a great point. And I don't think it's made enough that one of the advantages of having a CGM is you have this almost real-time feedback loop. Whereas you mentioned, if you get on the scale and weigh yourself, you're not exactly sure what the previous day caused that weight increase. But looking at the CGM and seeing a spike, you know something happened. Exactly. And so the more you can use both that glucose reading as well as logging your food, so you can retroactively go back and say like, hey, I remember that I spiked really, really high five days ago, but I don't specifically remember what it was associated with. And then go back and look and be like, oh, okay, great. So this week when I'm going grocery shopping or tonight when I go out to that same restaurant or whatever it is, you can start to be like, you know what, I'm going to choose something different or I'm going to slightly alter what I've chosen to gauge that impact and see if that helps keep me a little bit more stable. I'm so glad you mentioned that also because this kind of came up with our last podcast, episode 14, 
with Hannah, who's our chief marketing officer. Hannah was talking about how she uses a CGM and she starts with the spike. And there's, I guess there's two different kinds of analyses you can engage in. You could go top down or, or bottoms up. I tended to be more of the bottoms up analysis, uh, analyst, I should say. So I would, you know, come up with these experiments of things to do to figure out what works and what doesn't, where maybe the low hanging fruit with CGMs is going top down. So you see a spike, let's start reverse engineering from there, right? Yeah, potentially. I do like the, um, the reverse though, too. I think both actually have a great deal of potential insight, but kind of piggybacking on you and the experiments that you like to run, Bill, which are fantastic that I think our members would also really, really enjoy. If we take an example, say sweet potatoes, which are a great whole food vegetable, right? But depending on how you cook it, it might actually change the spike that you get. And that too is going to be very personal to the individual and whatever other factors are going on in their body and in their day, but it can start to inform directly how they might even want to start prepping their food and cooking their food so that they can still enjoy the same things, but minimize the impact on their glucose. Yeah. So, yeah. So to illustrate what Jody's talking about, I came across this article that said that the different ways you cook food can affect your glycemic response. And so I started this bottom up analysis going the other way. You might have just had a meal of sweet potatoes and had a spike and you could then start to reverse engineer that meal to figure out what was it? Was it the sweet potatoes? So those are the two different ways you might approach um, getting insight from your CGM on food. Yeah, for sure. And one thing I also really like to emphasize to our members is that not all spikes are bad. Like This is a natural process that your body goes through once you consume food. And what's much more important than trying to, in some ways, stay in range 100% of the time is instead just being very mindful of what is causing that spike. What is the quality of the food or the source of the food that you selected that caused a spike? And also the second part of that is the height and length of your spike. So when you do eat something, how high are you spiking up and how long are you staying elevated? Because that's actually going to provide a great deal of insight about if it's something, for example, say you eat a bowl of berries, right? Most likely you're going to spike out of range for a little bit. Those There's natural sugars in there. Or with the sweet potatoes that we were talking about, you're most likely going to spike a little bit. And that's actually not bad. That's your body's natural response to digesting that food. But for example, if you eat something that's a highly processed food, say maybe a piece of pizza or maybe some pasta, and so you actually not only spike, but you spike incredibly high and stay elevated for quite some time, there's kind of where like a ding, ding, ding in your head can go off of like, okay, so this isn't just kind of the natural rhythms of my body digesting and absorbing nutrients. This is something that's actually now negatively impacting my weight loss goals, right? It's something that's causing my glucose to just rise exponentially, stay elevated for a a long period of time. So now I know this is something that maybe I want to either eliminate entirely from my diet or once again, how can I start to tweak it? Maybe have a smaller portion, maybe cook it differently or whatever it is that works for your daily lifestyle that's going to help you then actually pinpoint those things and then make those adjustments. So can you give me an example of a spike that is not a bad spike? Um, I mean, I always kind of go to apples as an example, <laughs> but okay. there's a variety of things. I think, um, it just harkens back to focusing on the source of that food. So in general, if you are choosing something that is whole food based and predominantly plants, right? So, um, vegetables, fruits, nuts, seeds, lean proteins, 
that is whole food. It's not processed. It hasn't been stripped down. It's very nutrient dense, but because of natural sugars in it, or in some cases because of how it's cooked, um, you will you will see a spike. But that's also paired with a variety of things such as nutrients that your body really needs, fiber, in some cases of vegetables and fruits, also some water and some hydration. And so there too, as a person using that and seeing those numbers, you can be like, hey, I just ate an apple for a snack. I spiked out of range, but it was a fairly small spike and it came back down right away. Totally fine. And or then maybe the next time you have that apple snack, you pair it with a handful of almonds or some peanut butter. And that too might also lessen the spike. You're probably still going to spike a little bit. And just knowing totally okay what I'm doing for my overall health, and that includes weight loss, of course, but certainly nutrients, digestive health, immunity, by getting those whole food sources in, even when there are natural sugars, is still going to benefit your current weight loss goals as well as your overall longevity and health. I think this is such an important point. I've known uh, some members, as soon as they sign on and they see that big spike in their glucose, they freak out. Yeah. Um, And I also know of some members that following the logic of trying to eliminate all spikes might eliminate almost all fruits. Yeah. And this might lead to not that healthy of a habit. So to your point, if what you're eating is like a whole fruit and it causes a spike, you know, maybe you can play around with different fruits. Uh, I know apples are, are a really interesting example. I've, I think this might be a future experiment actually. Mm. I've noticed that different apples spike me to different degrees. Oh. So a Fuji versus a red delicious versus uh, maybe um, um, one of the the green apples have completely different glycemic responses. So maybe a cool experiment for our listeners to do if they uh, are members of, of Cygnos or have a CGM is try different varietals of apples and see which ones work best. But don't eliminate fruit because fruit has such important nutrients, not to mention fiber, which we'll get into in a, in a bit. But um, I think that's that's such a great point. Yeah. And fruits, I think, are kind of the classic example, though it can come into play with vegetables as well. Um, as far as the micronutrients, the fiber, the hydration, the, the vitamins, the minerals, all these laundry list of things um, that impact not just glucose, but your overall bodily systems and your overall health. Um, the importance of those can't be understated, right? The more that you eat those and those whole food sources, the more your entire body and energy and systems are going to be functioning optimally. Yeah, that's a it's a great, great point. You know, another thing I was thinking of when you had mentioned that not all spikes are bad spikes. Sometimes spikes happen that aren't related to uh, to eating something. Yeah. What uh, our doc would call exogenous carbs or, or something like that. Something that you eat causes a spike. I know that uh, when I get really stressed, I can spike just from the stress alone. Yes. So, and this is another great place where the CGM comes in incredibly handy because um, both myself and I think you've experienced this too, Bill, as well as I think a number of our members, there may be a certain event that recurs daily in your routine and or it seems like kind of an outlier, but suddenly you're getting fast rise alerts 
and you're spiking throughout the entire afternoon, but you haven't eaten since, you know, 1030 in the morning. And so another thing to be aware of with the CGM is that stress as well, completely independent of food, can actually spike your glucose. Um, And so just kind of the physiology behind glucose is stress actually triggers an increase in the body's fight or flight response, right? So the body in turn then releases extra energy into into the bloodstream, right, which is just glucose, in order to prepare the body for fighting, right? So you're kind of, your body, even if you're not under physical attack, when you're in high stress situations, even if it's mentally or emotionally, you need to have that extra fuel to combat that stress. So there too, this is a natural physiological process that the body goes through during times of stress. And certainly everybody gets stressed out at times, but it is important to start to notice that on your graph and understand if this is a difference between sort of a temporary short-term stress that of course we all experience for a variety of reasons, or is this something that's actually chronic stress? And do you know that every day at two o'clock whatever is going on in your day or your life, you are stressed and you spike for an hour, right? Or whatever other trigger it might be for you, because then there's really great insight to know, hey, what other tools can I start to implement to make sure instead of having this chronic stress that happens every day around the same time, I now have the tools to try and mitigate that. And for everybody, of course, that can be completely different, right? So I think a lot of people always say like, oh, meditation, And candidly, I don't think meditation, there's great benefits to it. But for a lot of people, that's not just something they can stop and do in the middle of day, or it might not be something they even enjoy. So even if it's just knowing a quick breathing exercise, or even if it's just starting your day with a quick exercise, because you know that physical release is going to help you um, approach stress in a different way, anything that you can start to implement as a lifestyle change So that when you know those stresses are coming up, you can prevent them and or make the overall spike from it a lot less. I think um, I think I've noticed two things about stress. First is that I've seen spikes, like you mentioned, that are solely stress related. I know so because I haven't eaten anything for a number of hours. And what's happening physiologically is the liver is actually accessing its glycogen stores and then releasing that glycogen as glucose into the bloodstream. So it's it's not like you're going to gain weight from yeah. that kind of a spike. But what I have noticed is the other type of effective stress on my glycemic response. And that is that if I'm eating at a time when I'm stressed, I've noticed that I've got an increased glycemic response to a food that I'm very familiar with, that I know where I'm going to um, usually come out on my graph. And if it's a stressful situation, I'll notice that I'm spiking even higher when I'm in a stressful situation. And that might be a compounding of the glycogen released from the liver, but it also might just be the way that my body's responding to stress. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And also one thing on the stress note too is you can, um, not only its impact obviously on glucose as your, your liver releases that, but also chronic stress in general can lead to a lot poorer habits and behaviors related to 
the response to that stress, right? So a number of times people may actually read for junk food or beverages or use it as an excuse to not do their exercise. And in that way, it's not only the stress causing the spike, but you're also then compounding that stress and that stress on your body by it's already elevated because you're in a high stress situation. And then you go ahead and you reach for a bag of M&Ms or a bag of chips to kind of try and alleviate that mental or emotional stress that you might be under. So now you've just, you've doubled the impact on your body. Yeah. I'm going to actually turn this around and look at it from the opposite point of view as well, which is looking at your glucose graph can be an excellent insight as to whether or not you're stressed. If you eat foods day in, day out, you kind of know your response like I do, and you start to see this uh, creeping up of your your glucose graph, it might be related to stress. Another thing it might be related to also is lack of sleep. I've noticed that both of those things can cause this glycemic creep where you're just edging higher and higher, which um, as we've discovered, it, you know, getting that glucose lower and lowering your stress and getting better sleep are excellent steps to uh, to facilitate your weight loss journey. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's interesting. I actually hadn't thought about the uh, looking at your graph to be like, oh, maybe I'm stressed right now, because which happens probably all the time too. We kind of can get in this mode where like, oh no, I'm fine. You know, it's it's busy times or it's whatever, and you don't necessarily associate how stressed you are. And then you actually look at your glucose readings and you're like, ooh, that's crazy high. Maybe I'm actually <laughs> a lot more stressed than I'm allowing myself to acknowledge. Yeah, you know, the first time I noticed this, I was giving an, a, what was a very important presentation. In the time of COVID, of course, it was on Zoom. And I didn't realize I was stressed. I looked down at my my um, my Cygnos app, and I noticed that my glucose was like 140, and I hadn't eaten in several hours. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I really hadn't even factored in how stress affects my body. Yet this tool, it's not just a great way to measure how food affects you, but also how something like stress can. Yeah. And of course, I think a lot of people know like, oh, yeah, when I'm stressed, my cortisol levels are high and that can lead to belly fat or difficulty like losing belly fat. And so especially with the Cygnos platform where your goal here is, is weight loss and using the CGM, like what more customized tool and what a great place to say like, oh, okay, I'm directly associating my physical or emotional or mental status outside of food and how that's actually impacting my glucose right now. Yeah, absolutely. I use meditation. I know a lot of people might think it's, it's, it's hard to carve out time. Sometimes just a very simple meditation or breathing exercise. How about you, Jody? What is your favorite go-to stress release activity to get that glucose back down? So I'm a runner. So I actually always make sure I get a run in every day. And so for me, even if it's not happening in the moment or the event of stress, just by having, by sweating it out, leaving it on, you know, the gym floor, whatever it is. So I have that physical release that then helps me stay present, I think, in my body and in my mind in a way that as stressful things come up in the day, I just feel like I've counterbalanced it with that physical activity to keep me centered. Um, so that's kind of my chosen form, but truly 
for some people, it's completely different. Some might be just scheduling time with friends in the evening, or it may be journaling, or it may be dancing in your living room, or it may be just lying on the floor and taking 10 deep breaths, just whatever it is that works for you, where you can just pause for a second in some ways do just even a a five minute reset and just kind of check in and say, what do I need so that I can either express and or approach this stressful situation in a way that helps me stay stable and not just from a glucose place, of course, because that's sort of the after effect, right? But from a mental and emotional place, because that is going to inform then internally what your body is doing. Great. So just to review, the first point was food selection. So using your your Cygnos app to help you figure out how food affects you. The second is look at stress and look at how stress is affecting your glycemic response or how you're spiking and, and find ways to counteract that. Yeah. How about tip number three? All right, so tip number three, wanted to chat about fiber a little bit. Um, and I think it's one of those things that seems known. Everybody's like, yes, yes, I know I should eat lots of fiber. But then the real question comes in is, are you actually getting it? And how that can actually impact also your glucose and your satiety and therefore impact your weight loss goals. Um, so I think a number of people may have heard or may or may not know, but there's soluble fiber and there's insoluble fiber. And there's I, really- I'm so glad you're going to talk about this because I am so confused by soluble and insoluble fibers. Every time it comes up, I have to Google it and figure it out. So I'm hoping that you can simplify this for me so I can understand the difference between these two. All right. Awesome. So soluble fiber is just simply fiber that dissolves in water and insoluble fiber doesn't, right? So in most plants actually contain both kinds of these fiber and they actually support different body systems. But the really cool thing is that both soluble and insoluble support stable blood sugar. So when fiber, of course, is just the part of a plant that, um, mainly passes through your digestive system without breaking down. So that's what helps your body pull out what it doesn't need um, and make sure your bowel movements and your digestive system is working really, really well. So soluble fiber, as it dissolves, it creates like a gel, so to speak, that actually helps improve digestion. But as I mentioned, the really cool thing is it also helps reduce um, blood sugar and cholesterol, and it actually improves your glucose control, which of course is the goal here with your CGM and with the Cygnos platform. And then insoluble fiber, on the other hand, um, helps with bowel health and regularity, but it also supports insulin sensitivity. And of course, as a, you know, piggy to that also supports glucose stability. So so is, is one better than the other, or they both have important? They function? both actually have important places in the diet, but kind of hearkening back to tip number one, The more you can focus the majority of your daily food selection on whole foods, the more you can ensure that you're actually getting both kinds of fiber and that both kinds of those fiber are going to actually help keep your glucose stable and in range. And of course, that snowball effect, if you will, of then how that starts to impact your metabolic health and your digestive health. And then, of course, your weight loss journey. Is there is um, what's what's the best source for soluble and then insoluble fibers. Um, Are there specific items I should be uh, looking for in the grocery store to get both? 
So you're going to love this bill because a good source of soluble fiber is oats. So oh, I, myself oh, yeah. and all of our <laughs> listeners know how much you love oats. So on that track, you're <laughs> super, super set. I was going to try and get through one podcast without talking about oatmeal. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, we're going there. We're going, we're going to oatmeal. There. Okay. But so, for people who don't like oats, yeah, some other additional options might be something like beans, apples, carrots, um, things like that. Or in some of our biohacking member groups, you might be familiar with psyllium. So psyllium is something yes. that you can actually just kind of sprinkle on top of your food and or add to a soup and some or something like that, that is can be a really great source of that soluble fiber. And then insoluble fiber, um, things like nuts, cauliflower, mm-hmm. potatoes, um, wheat bran, um, which also too, we do, we've experimented with internally, once again, hearkening to the sweet potato thing. Um, so just focusing some of your daily food selections on things that might have like whole grains in them, right? So whether it's whole grain toast or if you snack on some nuts or if you enjoy some sweet potatoes or some green beans, things like that, um, where you're just like, okay, I'm getting both kinds of fiber. Yeah, I'm starting to see a trend in these tips. One of them is that you want to move away from processed foods to whole foods because it, if you do that, it's going to help with your food selection and your glucose response. Uh, but also in terms of fiber, you're going to get a lot more fiber from whole foods, which is what it sounds like you're running through in your list than you would from something that's processed or packaged. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I always, I don't, I can't remember if it was Michael Pollan or someone, but they, you know, there's some kind of um, recurring quote around like, you can't, it's very hard to eat, say like an entire head of broccoli for somebody in one sitting, right? But because of like the nutrients and the fiber, you eat a portion and then you're actually satisfied, right? And you're actually full. But the same thing doesn't really apply to say like a bag of chips or some pizza crust or some M&Ms. In some ways, they can become like a bottomless pit and you just kind of, you can consume bag after bag because in a lot of ways, it's just, it's um, your body is still left wanting nourishment, right? It can, it can sense that something is missing. And so uh, a huge part of that can actually be the fiber, right? Certainly there's other things like additives and sugars and things that are intentionally added to processed foods in order to make them, you know, pretty addictive and pretty can't put the bag down. But also there's just a certain nutrient compound that those processed foods are missing because they've been intentionally stripped out or stripped away. Whereas when you're eating that whole food source, your body is getting those nutrients, it's getting that fiber, it's getting that water, which is like, oh, yes, this is what I need. I'm now satiated. My energy is high. My stomach is full. I feel mentally clear because you are nourishing your body. Now, there are a lot of foods on the marketplace. Like if I walk through a Whole Foods, there are a lot of things that are, I think, advertised as being healthy for me, which might be fiberless foods. Versus something that's fiber rich. I wonder if you could run through some examples. Yeah. So I think kind of the classic example is when people do uh, juice cleanses or juice fasts um, or maybe just drink juice in general. Um, I know as a personal story, like my my father-in-law was always a big fan of having orange juice in the morning because he's like, well, it's, it's oranges, right? Those are healthy for me. But when you put it in juice form, what you've done is you've stripped away the fiber and you've also stripped out a number of things because you're basically just straining the juice out and the core component of that food that contains 
the majority of the nutrients of the fiber you've left, you know, in your strainer and you're dumping it out. And so people might notice when they're doing, say, a juice fast, which I would like to disclaim if it's something that you enjoy doing and you do actually find it cleansing, do that knowing that it's not a permanent fix. Like some people might say, like, oh, I'm going to do a juice fast and it's a really great way that I can lose, you know, three or five pounds really fast, but that's also temporary. You're not actually helping your body shift its habits and actually let go of fat stores that it can permanently let go of. And as it relates to the CGM, you might also notice, even if it's a juice cleanse, which on the surface seems healthy, that your glucose is spiking wildly. Because once again, even though it's from a natural food source, in some ways you've stripped away the whole food aspect of it because you've taken out certain components and now it's largely just all of those natural sugars that are going directly into your bloodstream that that fiber would have slowed down and that that fiber would have helped provide other things for your digestive system and for your glucose and even for your immunity that now you've taken out. Hmm. So would I be fixing the problem if when I got my juice, I got juice with pulp in it? Or does that not quite get me there? You would definitely have more stability that way. So certainly getting juice with pulp leaves some of that in, but it's still not the same if we use the orange juice example as just peeling yourself an orange and eating the orange. Okay, excellent. I wanted to mention here with fiber, we might have some members coming to us that have been eating almost exclusively processed and packaged foods and yeah. want to take this tip and implement it. One thing that I want to caution you is if you don't have a lot of fiber in your diet and you want to start incorporating some, take it slow. Yeah. Don't just dump a bunch of fiber in your food all at once because you're going to have some GI distress when you do that. So if you're coming from a diet very low in fiber and you want to incorporate this tip, do so, but do it in stages over a period of time so your body can get used to this new healthy way of eating. Yes. Thank you for saying that, Bill. Actually, that is an excellent tip and point. Yes. Like anything else, um, small increments, right? Rather than yes. saying, like, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm going in 100%. I only say this because I went through that years ago where I was just like, I have no fiber in my diet. I'm going to go to 100 grams in a day. And boy, that just kind of sours you on the whole fiber idea. Uh, had yeah. I taken it slower, I would have gotten um, I would have gotten used to it uh, easier and wouldn't have had all the distress that I had. So just a little little tip. But these these are wonderful tips. So just to review, we've got the food selection, we got stress and fiber. How about tip number four? All right, tip number four is just around actually kind of what you were just saying, just small, steady habit shifts. So whether it's fiber, whether it's eliminating something from your diet, always do things in small increments that you feel like you can commit to and that also help you make an overall lifestyle change. So when you're using the CGM and when you're using the Cygnus platform, it's not that it's about um, rapid weight loss or a fad diet. It's actually about providing you with customized insight into what your current habits or your current lifestyle might be doing internally to your body so that you can start to shift those things. And so using 
the Signos platform and using your CGM is actually just kind of a gift to yourself and a commitment to yourself and your health, almost like you're training for an event, right? Like when you're training for a marathon, you don't just start out running all those miles. You might start with five or six miles and kind of slowly build your way up. And so same thing here as it relates to your food habits or your stress habits or your exercise habits or whatever it is, it's a process, right? So use that CGM to help inform what's currently happening. So you can say like this week, I'm going to focus on this one small goal and then keep on moving forward until that just becomes an automatic part of your lifestyle and an automatic part of your daily routine versus I'm just going to do this all at once and over one month and I'm going to lose all this weight, but I haven't actually trained my body about how I want to do this for the long sustainable term. Yes. The, you know, this is, uh, this is a great point. I know Dr. Kolowad brought this up on our podcast um, that we had with him that in his experience as a clinician, but also there is some research around this, that the slower someone loses weight, the more likely they are to sustain that weight loss. Yeah, It's the opposite of what we're being bombarded with as consumers that, hey, you can try this diet and lose 10 pounds in 10 days. Yes, you might be able to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, you probably can lose that weight, but it's going to come right back. Exactly. Where what we're interested in as Cygnos is providing our members with a healthy way to make a permanent lifestyle change so you can lose that weight and keep it off and never have to use the D word, the diet yeah. word. Yeah. This is about making those healthy changes by having an insight as to how your body is processing food, uh, is dealing with exercise and stress and everything else that we've talked about. Yeah. And I think actually to piggyback on that a little bit too, weight loss can be a very interesting thing in that it's not always just about the numbers on the scale, right? Like certainly that's a great metric that you can look at. And as you see those numbers change, it can be very inspiring, but also, you know, your body better than anyone. And so, you know, when your clothes are fitting differently, you know, when your energy level is different through the day. And so, you know, when your body is actually starting to make those shifts and those small changes, but very impactful changes that you're making are starting to show their results. And it might not always be just the number on the scale. Certainly that will come along with it, but also really tap into these other areas where your body is making it really clear. You are nourishing it well, and you are starting to drop the excess weight that you're, that you started with. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm, I experienced this right now with my own journey. I, I think I was the third person to start using Cygnos. So I've been using it since April of last year. And yeah, I did lose a lot of weight. But now in my my wellness journey, I've gone to trying to work on body composition. So my weight is actually creeping up. But you know, through things like DEXA scans, I know that I'm actually increasing muscle mass, which is why my weight is going up right now. So it isn't always all about the scale. And I can definitely feel the difference. And more importantly, I can see the difference in how my body is processing things like what I eat and how my, my fasting glucose is lower now that I've implemented all these changes. And yes, eat oatmeal every single morning <laughs> to get my fiber. Exactly. <laughs> it's got a, fiber. One, more plug, 
I wonder if I should get some sort of sponsorship from the Oatmeal really Association. You really should. You should reach out to Quaker <laughs> and be like, do you know how much I write about oats? <laughs> yeah, maybe there's an industry. Oats. could be an industry association around oatmeal that I uh, can be the spokesperson for. Exactly. Be perfect. Um, no. These, so these are all great points. So food selection, incredibly insightful looking at, you know, your Cygnos app and your glucose graph, how to make the better choices with food and um, stress is, is a big component that you actually can look both ways, how stress affects your glucose and how glucose might give you insight into your stress. Yeah. Fiber, very important part of your diet. It's going to help you make, it's going to help you feel fuller. And I now know the difference between soluble and insoluble, soluble, Soluble in water, insoluble not. Yep. And then make those small, steady habit shifts to uh, to improve your lifestyle. Exactly. Excellent. And eat oats. But the main takeaway that I hope everybody comes from is eat oats. <laughs> eat oats. I, I'm, this is actually going to ruin my sponsorship from the Oatmeal Association, but I've been experimenting with other grains, like ancient grains. Oh, listening like to different and stuff? Yeah, and sorghum. Okay. Actually, a oh. lot of these grains have more fiber than oats have. So I've been experimenting making some breakfast cereals using my Instapot with some of these ancient grains Ooh, and do I sense another bill experiment coming down the line. Oh yeah. I think apples are going to come next, but after that, I think we're going to talk about different uh, hot cereals and how they affect your glucose, especially as we get into, uh, into the fall and That's it gets true. a little colder outside. Yeah. And it's such a perfect, good warming comfort food breakfast. Yes. Well, Jody, thank you so much for joining us again. I know that our listeners love having you on and your helpful tips. And I can speak for them. I can't wait to start implementing some of these into my daily routine. Yes. Thank you, Bill. It is always such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you for joining us today on Body Signals. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Cygnos Health. And if you're interested in becoming a Cygnos member, go to Cygnos.com on the web to request early access. Until next time.